With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, what's up, guys? Ricky here from Most Valid Podcast along with Brandon. Um, We're about to do the primetime podcast, but I completely forgot. Much like last week, I forgot to do this yet again because I was so excited about what we were talking about. Uh, Make sure to click the link down below in the description. Join our second chance group. If you're unlike Brandon and I and your bracket uh, went to poop this past weekend, make sure to join us, Second Chance. I'm in unfamiliar territory. Like, all of my Elite Eights are still alive, so my Second Chance is the exact same thing as my First Chance. Um, But it's just another option for you guys to play along with us. So that link will be down below in the description. Go ahead and click it, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts. Leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything college sports. Eventually, it's going to stick. Eventually, we're going to talk badminton and college baseball and college volleyball. But for right now, it's just college football and college basketball. And Brandon, what a time is it to be alive? March Madness in full swing. One question I want to ask you before I get into what we're going to talk about today and pitch the Patreon, because I usually do that at the beginning. We got a comment on Twitter. Someone asking us, I can't remember who it was. Um, I'll look it up in a second while you're talking. Asking us if we're going to do a Sweet 16 preview. We're going to tack that on to the end of our kind of March Madness segment that we got for today. But he mentioned how it's kind of disappointing how there's lack of Cinderella's this year. I mean, except for Oregon, but do you really count Oregon as a 12 seed? Do you you feel that after this week? Like, oh man, I wish that we had a Murray State in the second weekend or a Belmont or a Wofford over Kentucky. Do you think it bothers you that we don't have like a true Cinderella this year. No, it doesn't bother me because as long as for me as long as we're seeing good basketball, that's the only thing that I am really concerned with. And you know, I mean, I guess in a way you could say not necessarily a Cinderella team, but we've got an Auburn team in the Sweet 16 that that beat Kansas and just just was able to get back past um New Mexico State, so Auburn, I don't necessarily consider them a Cinderella, but a, a team that's definitely an underdog going against North Carolina. Certainly Oregon's an underdog going against Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think that Oregon is is correctly ranked as a 12 because, yes, they went on a very good couple of runs last night that was able to get them to the win. But if but they we, wouldn't have but, won the Pac-12, they wouldn't but, have been in the tournament. Exactly. But look at the look at the way that, that Oregon, yes, has played extremely well lately. And mm-hmm. you said that. You said that coming into this, into March Madison, into mm-hmm. this tournament, Oregon has won nine straight games. Mm-hmm. They're a hot team. And that's why you were riding them. And that's yep. why you're mad at yourself for not riding, keeping them where you had them. As long as Tennessee does not choke away 21-point leads anymore, I'll be fine. But, 
Because that gave me a scare. They're Ooh. in my title game to lose against Duke. Ooh. They're I mean, in my title game to lose against that Duke. That was scary. Tennessee, though, you and and I talked about this with my dad. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the teams that are in this in this tournament all the time. The athletic teams. And you want to try and ride with those athletic teams. Because the they three, and the find three point shot. a way to win. And Auburn, you talk about a three-point shot. Auburn was just incredible. Um, with that against against Kentucky and excuse me Kansas and that is why they were able to get the win there. But on the uh, looking on the other side too, you know, I I don't I don't mind that there's no Cinderella team. Like are, are I said, like, as long as there's are great you like basketball Dave, being like played. Dave, we're watching, and I hope Dave, you're watching us that you're not getting mad at me for uh, calling you out here. Well, calling you out, um, but you really said is we're sitting at B Dubs. And we're watching uh, Gonzaga and Fairleigh Dickinson, or we're watching also Kentucky and Albany Christian. And Dave's just sitting there going, "These teams have no right to be in this tournament. Like, no right to be here. Why should I waste my time watching Kentucky blow out Albany Christian?" I understand where he's coming from. I get where he's coming from too. But everyone would have said last year too at the beginning of the game before what is, anything starts. What is, what, is, what is UMBC doing here? <laughs> What are they doing there? They have no right to be here. And that's why March Madness is so exciting because mm-hmm. while, yes, you do get those games sometimes where Gonzaga comes out and Kentucky comes out and they're just so dominant against that other team, we expected UMBC to lose last year. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But then you also had a look at who was it that Virginia played in, in round one? Gardner-Webb? Gardner they first, struggled with Gardner-Webb. first Webb. tourney appearance is Gardner-Webb this year. I mean, First tourney appearance. So, they almost knocked off the one seed again. So I want to give Gardner-Webb a ton of credit, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say that they didn't deserve to be mm-hmm. in the tournament. I, you know, there's there's oh, other I teams was, that... I was rooting for them hardcore, and I was so upset that they kind of choked it away. In the, I mean, Virginia did come to play. Um, in the second half, but I was very upset that they did not win it. But I did find the tweet. Um, it was from at Garberk, G-A-R-R-B-E-R-K, 8821. He said, at Most Valuable Pod, kind of sucks. There are no real Cinderella's this year, not counting Oregon. And then that's when he asked um, that the UCF Duke game was crazy. Are we going to do a Sweet 16 preview? We're going to look at the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight. Um, Because we're going to talk about March Madness, mainly looking at Duke. Um, Are they in trouble? Are they going to be able to go all the way? Kind of have a rehash conversation about that, because I know we asked, could they go undefeated many, many moons ago? We're also going to take a look at the NFL draft. Drew Locke, could he be a top 10 pick? There's some kind of rumblings Todd McShay throwing out there, so we're going to take a look at that, and we're going to start the podcast looking at March Madness. Some prospects that... Might have helped their draft stock with a good first weekend. I know it's a whole body of work. You hear that all the time in college sports. But having a good first weekend of the tournament really sets you off and really gets you right in the mind of some of these scouts. Before we get into everything, make sure to check us out on Patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. If you join us at the $10 tier, you can join us on a podcast each and every month. You're at that tier, and we're actually revamping our tears april 1st new ones will drop so be on the lookout for that but brandon let's dive in to the conversation of march madness and which prospects kind of help themselves in the draft and usually i say hey you know what i want to kick it off to you for a guy that you have (laughs) i know you are ready and i guarantee i know who you're gonna say i actually want to start off with a guy 
and kind of just start it from here. And since you say you know who I am going to start off with, who do you think I'm going to start off with? Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I, this is the obvious guy that I would go with, and that would be John Morant. No. That's I who I would go, go with. I See, think he's he, – he is solidified to me mm-hmm. just because of how well he played, but I'll get into that. I want to hear what you have to say. I wasn't going to say – the only reason I wasn't going to say John Morant is because he's always been – like, for the past few weeks – He's been the number two prospect to me. I know there's people and why on the fast break we had a whole conversation with, I believe, was Jake on that podcast? I think that was the podcast that Jake was on that there's a reason why people are like, oh, who should be number two, RJ or Ja? In my mind, it's always been Ja. Um, So that's why for me, I look at his play and I go, yep, that's exactly why I have him at number two. No, the guy that I want to bring up is Brandon Clark to Uh, start this podcast. And the reason why is like, so – yep. The thing with this Gonzaga team that's kind of interesting to me is there's ebbs and flows. There's so many people on this team. You've got Perkins that plays well. You've got Norvell Jr. You've got Tilly that's coming back from an injury. Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura. That it's, it's kind of like an everybody, will everybody eat in a game? Where you look at the 16-1 game where they played against Fairleigh Dickinson. Brandon Clark, 5 of 8 from the field, very efficient Eh, two of eleven, two of not eleven, two of five from the line, not the best. Eight rebounds though, three blocks, twelve points in an eighty-seven forty-nine bulldog win. But then they play Baylor in the second round, eighty-three seventy-one, a little bit closer game. Brandon Clark goes to work and was eating it up. Fifteen from eighteen from the field, six of eight now from the foul line. Still grabbed those eight boards. Scored 36 points and had five blocks. And there's a part of me that I want to say in the last mock draft we had for the fast break, I had him outside the top 10. If he has another performance or another two performances like he had against Baylor, there have been people in our comment section that have said, hey, watch for Brandon Clark. He's going to be on the rise. And I think they'll be right. I think he could solidify himself with another solid performance, could solidify him as a top 10 pick. But you were already around that because you had him as a top five prospect in our last big board. I did, and I would like to let uh, people who do not believe I know anything <laughs> about uh, uh, being able to uh, put people in a big board. Um, I, I would like to take some credit on that one for myself. <laughs> You know, I don't get many, but credit uh, where credit I, is I, due. I would like to do that. Oh, oh and, and, and it's only because... You know, I know we talked about Rui Hachimura earlier in the season, and Rui's mm-hmm. been a good player. But I he played I, better in the fairly Dickinson game, not so not hot so in the great, no. Baylor game. But also, like I said, they've got so many people on this team. Brandon like, Clark also took over to in that Baylor game. Exactly. I mean, he took over. It's like, hey, go to work, B. And I, I also, I also think that you know, you look at what Brandon Clark's done in terms of his points and everything like that. But look at this guy as a blocker. Mm-hmm. He's over his last five games. He's been averaging three blocks per game. He had five blocks in that Baylor game. He had four, four blocks in the first game against St. Mary's. And then he had three blocks in the, in the fairly Dickinson game as well. He's also been an outstanding defender. Mm-hmm. That's, that's also where we have to look at with Brandon Clark. And he does it on both sides of the floor. You know, he's close to uh, these last couple of games. He's been close to a double, double, uh, eight rebounds in both of those contests. He brings a lot, Brandon Clark does, in terms of high energy and certainly his scoring ability. And then he gets back on defense and he is just an absolute protector 
uh, around the around the rim uh, to make sure that that ball is not going in um, for the opposing team. He's a fun player to watch, and that's that's again that goes to that kind of that high energy. Mm-hmm. He he's a he's a good player, and I think that I'm really glad that you brought him up, Ricky, because he was another guy on my list as well. His stock has definitely risen for me in these last couple of games, especially when you look at the Baylor game. Like the only question I have about him coming into the draft is kind of the same thing. I was watching a short video from ESPN where they were talking about Taco Fall, who went up against Zion this weekend um, and played really well against Zion Williamson, except for falling out um, at the very end. And their kind of consensus with Taco Fall was that, you know, he's probably not going to fit. Like, if this was five years ago, Taco Fall would have had a spot in the NBA. But now with everything being spread out, and the three ball being a good, like a big thing, and fives now having to come up and guard on the perimeter more than they would have in the past. They were kind of saying, oh, well, you know, it might not be right for him. He might have to go overseas. And then I think it was Jay Williams said, oh, the league is very cyclical. If it comes back to being a big man's game, then he can come over after playing overseas. Kind of similar thing with me and Brandon Clark, where yes, he scores points. He's phenomenal. I'm going to say phenomenal defensively. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I think helps him is the style that Gonzaga plays in. They're very up paced, they're very up tempo, which a lot of teams are doing at the next level. But I look at the three ball, and this year he only shot 14 threes. He's only made four of them. So, being he's probably going to be at the four position, being 6'8, 215, with having that three shot, can he develop that? Because obviously I feel like he's got the shot because his free throw percentage has gone up each year he's been in college. Can he develop a three at the next level would be my only question for BC. And and again with, with uh, Brandon Clark, is he's just about a 70% shooter from the floor. Mm-hmm. So you think if he can perf- – so he's very consistent. Yeah. So if he can perfect – his shooting from beyond the arc and then get get consistent there, he could be very dangerous. Is John Morant the next going into the guy you're bring up, do you want to bring so, up John? So first? I'll just bring him up really quickly. Since again, like you said, there's not anyone that's gonna be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I just think that People are gonna go, no shit, Brian. No, they are, but I, I, I but we talk about, you know, who solidified mm-hmm. John Morant solidified it. He solidified yeah. he's the best player on his team. He solidified that he should be the number two pick in the draft. And he's the second best player in all of college basketball. He is. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding. He can do it all. And you talk about a guy with high energy, great ball movement, a guy who can handle the basketball, someone who who just is gr- has great floor presence. That's John Moran, and he's been fun to watch. He'll be mm-hmm. a great addition to the to the very boring NBA. Um, sorry for anyone who actually likes it but um i i would want to bring up my the, the next person who i'd actually like to talk about is kobe white yes. from from north carolina he is outstanding and fun to watch talk about a really good kind of floor manager um someone who is able to to see the court well he can drive it into the basket and put it in i mean he's he's phenomenal he's a really fun player to watch and he's shifty and he's a he's a tough player to defend against. No, and he's one too that I really wanted to see that second matchup and it's kind of why I picked it in my bracket of Washington going up against the Tar Heels from North Carolina because I wanted to see if Matthias Tybal, who 
every time we bring him up on the fast break, because Sean loves Matthias Tybal, he's always talking about his defense. And Kobe White in that game goes off for 17 points. And the thing kind of similar to Brandon Clark is North Carolina is a really good team. Like Luke May, Luke May can get you points. Cam Johnson can get you points. Depending on the night, I mean, I guess against the 16th seed um, in Iona, Nasir Little can get you points, but then he also had a good game against Washington. He has had two good games, so I'll give him credit for that. I've usually been shitting on Nasir Little um, until the cows come home, but they've got so many players on this team that can get you points that Kobe White doesn't always need to be that scorer. Like, he only had 10 points against Iona. But, like, in the last game against Wisconsin, like I said, 17 points, 4 of 7 from 3, and he could be somebody that is kind of like, I want to say kind of like a John Morant type where people say John Morant, oh, he's going to be a good combo guard um, at the next level. I think Kobe White could be that as well, where it's like, hey, you can play him at the point, you can also play him at shooting guard, and he's going to be fine for you because not only can he facilitate other members on his team, if you get him the ball, he can score the rock. And that is so vital to any team. Kobe White will probably be in my top 10 the next time we do a mock draft. Well, mock draft and big board. Ricky, I think really the only negative with Kobe White is that he needs to cut his hair. (laughs) I mean, it's a little long. Like Dave was saying, oh, is it the Alfred Payton where it's like, um, we made a joke about it on the fast break where it's like, oh, how uh, tall is Kobe White? Oh, he's he's 6'5". And Sean goes, really? He looks like 6'1". And Dave goes, ah, well, it's about three feet of hair he's yeah. got on top. So, I yeah. mean, the hair adds a lot to that height to where he might be 6'1", but he's <laughs> measured at 6'5". Um, another guy I am going to bring up is I'm actually going to duel – Two guys together. Okay. And that is Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. And the reason why I say that is Tennessee, ever since the tournament started, and I know it's only been two games here, have really, I know they blew a 20, what, 25, 21-point lead um, against Iowa. Grant Williams in the Iowa game really showed me why I like him, where I know that many people are going to say for a four in the NBA might be a little undersized. Like Brandon Clark was six, eight Grant Williams is six, seven. And I know that people like Sean have always said like, Oh, well at the next level, when the guys are bigger and faster and taller, he's not going to be able to body guys and use his strength like he does at the college level. But the thing I saw from him is that he could be somebody that you could play at the four, kind of in a small ball lineup almost. And he's got kind of, A, ice in his veins, where in overtime he was shooting jump shots like, you know what, this is my game, I'm going to take it over. But also he's got that J to where it's like, you know what, I don't have to play around the basket, I can play from the outside. Although I don't shoot a lot of threes and I'm not that stretch four, I can stretch it out a little hit a short J and kind of add that to a team, kind of a a power forward with small forward um, abilities. And then Admiral Schofield to me has just been catching fire at the right time to where he's always been like a 21 through 30 guy in my mock drafts. He might be moving up a little bit based off of these last two games where he's shooting well from the field, about 
46 and what 46 and 42 um and then from 3 he's hitting what 3 of 6 yeah. 3 of 7 and he's hitting it consistently after having that bad game against Auburn. And and that's what I was going to mention too is I wanted to really pinpoint Admiral Schofield here is that he's been shooting pretty consistently mm-hmm. from 3 and what he's also done well is as a as a rebounder as a presence out there I couldn't believe that he had 17 points in the first half against Iowa, two points in the second half, wasn't much of a factor in the second half really at all, mm-hmm. then doesn't play at all in overtime. Yeah. That didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I know Tennessee was hitting almost Coach, every shot Co- that they were taking in overtime, but so they didn't necessarily, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, need him. Coach's decision, I guess. I'm, I'm still surprised that he wasn't in there, but you're right. He's catching fire at the right time. He's playing some pretty good basketball. Um, and he's shooting it pretty well from from the field as well uh, from the free throw line against Colgate, hundred percent, you know, and then sixty six point seven percent. You always want to see that yeah. uh, higher, but um, he's been he's been a player that without him, mm-hmm. Tennessee would not be where they're at right now. And I will say the one thing that always scared me about Iowa, which scared me in that second half, was when they catch fire from beyond the arc. It's like a wildfire; you can't yeah. stop it. Like. I watched it firsthand in the Big Ten tournament, watching them beat Illinois to where it was like they had any shot working for them. And it was kind of that same thing in the second half where it's like, oh, they're catching fire from three now. You've got, um, I know Wieskamp only went one of five in that game, but you had like Moss and Bohannon starting to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, when they catch fire from three, it's kind of hard to stop them. Who's another player you want to throw out there? Might have helped their draft stock. Well, my final guy is the Big Ten Player of the Year, Cassius Winston. Can I package in Carson Edwards with him? Like I would love to. I would love to. Both of them have been playing really well. I would love to package in Carson Edwards. If we had Matt on the phone right now, he would love to package (laughs) in Carson Edwards as well. Um, I want to first just touch on on Cassius Winston. This guy means so much to his team mm-hmm. because when he's not scoring some some big points, some clutch and some hitting some clutch shots, he is making everything on the floor work. Mm-hmm. He's feeding everybody. The assists that Cassius Winston puts up per game is incredible. He is such a good player to have out there on the floor. He is such a a good presence out there for Michigan State, knows where his guys are, knows how to feed them the basketball, and he knows how to score himself. He's an extremely fun player to watch and such a, a huge, huge player for the Spartans. And then Carson Edwards, oh my gosh, I was texting with Matt back and forth, <laughs> our, our, our patron Matt, and talking with him, he said, this is the Carson Edwards that we can see. It's the one on the podcast that he said he wanted to see. Yes. The one we're talking about the Carson Edwards against Villanova. Villanova. Yes. Like that was the one that on the podcast when we previewed March Madness, Matt said, I hope we see that Carson Edwards. And we got to see it against Villanova in a game. Like, and to me it was so important that it came in the game where we were saying, Oh, well, you know, it might be an easy win for Villanova because it's a home game for them and not a home game for Purdue. Well, now Purdue gets to go to Louisville, which is a little bit closer to Indiana than Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I'll, I'll give you some time to talk about mm-hmm. Carson Edwards as well, but, I mean, I haven't seen a game 
and I haven't watched a ton of Purdue games, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a game where a player has played even in this tournament as well as Carson Edwards played in that game the other night against Villanova. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen a Purdue game where Carson Edwards has played that well. I mean, he was so lights out from beyond the arc. Mm -hmm. Everything was just in his favor. Villanova couldn't guard him. Villanova couldn't hit anything, first of all, but they could not guard him. Even in the second half when that was Jay Wright's game plan. Stop Carson Edwards. Don't give him mm -hmm. don't let him get the ball. He got the ball and he was wide open so many times, but also able to drive in, take the contact, go to the line. Carson Edwards, phenomenal. No, and yeah, that was one thing that I was kind of for me with Carson Edwards was this is one where I know on the fast break we had someone comment in where it was like, hey, could you talk about the second round guys? Because we always do mocks except for the very last one. Um, just the first round. This was a type of performance when I say that this was one that kind of rose his stock to where I was almost, it was like Carson Edwards, okay, he could be at the end of the first round. Then I was kind of like, okay, he's an early second. All right, now he's a mid-second. And I was towards the end of the season like, you know what? I know he's good, but I think, he, like, I was at the point where I'm like, I think he's going to go undrafted. I think that teams are going to look at it and not see any, like, are we going to get this, or are you just a perennial D-leaguer or G-leaguer um, at the next level? But then this Villanova game happens, and if he can kind of have another spark or two in this tournament, then that could mean that, hey, you know what? He can solidify himself. I'm not saying he's going to play himself into the first round, yeah. but he could solidify himself as a second-round prospect, and that could really help him actually getting drafted compared to, hey, getting undrafted. Um, and you said Cassius was your last guy? Yeah. All right. Then I'm going to go quick fire. I've got just a couple few that I want to mention. There's one guy I just want to bring up quick because there's about three of them that I wanted um, to mention. The first one is Jarrett Culver. He's like mm -hmm. the John ja Morant that you threw out to where is Jarrett Culver going to be a top 10 pick? You're Damn right he is. However, the two games that I've seen, and I know he only scored 16 against Buffalo, but the two games so far, he, to me, it's like he is a solidified top five pick. He is top five, and if anything, the only one that might move out of my top five is Cam Reddish. Like, if I'm moving one of them, I got to move Cam because Jarrett Culver is proving can shoot from three, can block shots, can steal the ball. Now, the five turnovers against Buffalo, that is a little bit of a problem as he's had a few of those games, but especially that Northern Kentucky game because they were a team that in the conference championship for their tournament, I was like, ooh, I might pick them as an upset. And then I saw that they got paired against Texas Tech, and I went, I'm sorry, Northern Kentucky. <laughs> I can't pick you to beat Texas Tech. Another guy I'm going to throw out there, and this is a guy that I've always thrown in my first round, but I don't think he's going to be a first-rounder anymore. Um, but he's solidifying himself as an early second to me. My boy out of Oregon. My boy, Lewis King. I, 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 can't go, I cannot go a draft segment without throwing some love at him. Ever since he's come back from injury, he's been a key offensive player for this Oregon team. 17 against Wisconsin. Perfect from three. 
six uh, are 16 points, 50% from the field, four of seven from three, and also grabbing down some boards, not as many as he did in the Pac-12 tournament, but he was still getting the rock. I just want to go ahead. Go, oh, were you going to say anything else I about have, him? I have one more that is kind of a faller a little bit. But I, I was. I just. I just wanted you. to make mention back in our big board mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy there that people they didn't agree with it. They couldn't believe I had him there, and he is showing up in this tournament. Kenny Wooten from Oregon. Yeah. I, and, and and I remember because I'm listening to the the first game that Oregon's playing did and, you have and I did I had him you at did. 15. Wow! I had him at 15 and people were like, "You're an idiot! Mm-hmm. How can you?" And probably was, but um, what a game! What a couple mm-hmm. of games that Kenny Wooten has been having for the Oregon Ducks on mm-hmm. the scoring side. And nothing's getting into that into that uh, hoop with yeah. him down there. It is just not happening. So I wanted to go in and just say he's had a phenomenal uh, March Madness mm-hmm. tournament so far. I don't know if that's going to do anything for him in terms of his stock, but if he'll be anywhere in anyone's minds. But I just want to go on record to say I had him at number 15 in my number one big board. <laughs> And he's having himself a really good tournament so far. Now, one guy I'm going to throw out here. When I say faller, I'm not saying like out of the first round. I'm not saying like, oh, he's going to fall from top 10 to bottom of the first round. I'm just saying he might fall a few spots if I do a mock draft. Or if I have to choose between him and another guard, I might go with a different guard because of what I've seen recently. I want to end this segment asking you about Keldon Johnson to where against uh, an opponent like Albany Christian, who Dave, when we were at B-Dubs, was like, there's no reason why Albany Christian should be in this tournament losing 79-44 to to a Kentucky Wildcat team. Keldon Johnson goes 25 points in that game. However, the next game against Wofford, where Wofford, I'll be honest, should have won that game because the person I feel the baddest for is um I'm blanking on his first name, but it's McGee from the Fletcher. Terriers. And the reason why in the first game of the tournament, he sets the record for, I think it was what most threes in an NCAA season. Did you know the record that he set against Kentucky the next game after? By Com- going 0 for 10 by not making 0 for one? 12. 0 for 12. The most missed threes in an NCAA tournament game. So it was kind of like, the best of the world than the worst of the world. He makes two of them. He goes two for 12. The Terriers win that game. The Wildcats are going home. And a big reason for that, I think, Keldon Johnson only having nine points in that game. That's a game I like. And people are going to say, Ricky, you can't point out one game in a tournament. You got to look at the whole body of work. Two things I'm going to say about that. Number one. You look at this season, there have been games where Keldon Johnson's kind of disappeared a little bit. Only four points against Mm -hmm. Alabama in 22 minutes. He had in Auburn and Mizzou, eight points and five points. Nine points against the Gamecocks. Nine points here against Mississippi State. There are some games where he disappears. And this game, he needed to show up. And I'll be honest, he needs to show up next game against Houston. Because P.J. Washington was not playing this game. Mm -hmm. If P.J. Washington is not playing against Houston, I will make a bold—well, 
I'm not going to make the bold prediction. The reason why I'm not going to make it is I don't want to curse the Houston Cougars because I have them as a Final Four team. But I will say this. If P.J. Washington doesn't play and Keldon Johnson does not come to play, there's a good chance that Houston could be beating the Wildcats this upcoming weekend, and the Wildcats could be going home in the round of 16. Is he uh, related to Cam Reddish uh, by chance? Because that's who you described when you're talking about uh, Kelton Johnson. And, you know, that's th- but that's the that's the worry of, of some of these players is are they going to show up for the big games? And obviously he showed up um, and, and had 15 points against Tennessee. They mm-hmm. they they lost. 82 to 78. I mean, it was a close game. He went six of ten, you know, from the from the floor. Not a bad game at all. But then he obviously, as you said, uh, Abilene Christian. It was a very easy game for everyone on the floor at 25. Is he going to be able to show up in big games down the stretch when they need him? Especially like you said, if PJ Washington isn't able to go. And by what they were talking about, the announcers were talking about on the broadcast in their game against um, Wofford. It doesn't sound very optimistic that P.J. PJ uh, uh, Washington? Yeah. I wanted to say Williams, and then I'm saying Washington. I didn't know which you're, one was you're correct. you UNC. You got that Roy Williams on the mind. So P.J. Washington is in that in that cast. He's He's got that little scooter. It doesn't look really optimistic that he's going to be able to go. I understand mm-hmm. that he's got, what, three, four days here now to uh, get things together and and try and try and shoot on it try and 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 walk on it play on a little bit they play on friday but um they're gonna be the friday the very last game at eight uh, nine o'clock central time really i think you have to be game planning as though you're going to be without him Mm -hmm. so that's going to mean that you're going to be relying on keldon johnson a lot more and you're going to need him to at least be close to his not be close get his season average, and then go mm-hmm. more, and his season average is 14. And the last guy here at the end, 14. I forgot I was going to do this for Sean because Sean would get upset if I did not. i got to throw a little bit of a sprinkling at Naz Reed. Um, oh, for the gosh, good yes, job. he was not, amazing. Not just the amazing job he did against Florida in that 76-73 loss in the SEC tournament, but against Yale, had a good game, um, didn't hit as many threes, as I thought he would, because, I mean, he three of four from beyond the arc against Florida. I'm like, oh, man, maybe he's adding that three to his game, one of three and then oh of three. But 14, 13 points, a total of 14 boards in the two games. Um, the Maryland game was a little down, but, hey, at least they got the win over the Maryland Terrapins and are moving forward to play Michigan State. Sean would be upset if I didn't throw some love at Naz Reed for his performance in the last two games. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Were there guys that we didn't mention? Were there guys that you think should have been on this list? Were there guys that you, like Keldon Johnson, think didn't play well and should be in our fallers or should we talk more about fallers? Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And if you were on YouTube, you're thinking, well, wait, whoa, 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 guys. Our next topic, this is the first one we're seeing from you. We're kind of doing things out of order. For YouTube, you're going to get our second topic, then our first topic, then our third topic this week. Podcast services around the world, you guys are rolling right through. This is the second topic on podcast services 
first topic on YouTube might be a little confusing, but we're kind of mixing it up this way for this week. And speaking about our podcast services, if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or if you have an Apple Podcast account, make sure to go on over and give the Primetime Podcast and all the other MVP podcasts a five-star rating. It really helps us out. We get into the ears of more people, get our podcasts in front of more people. They might be listening in their cars. They might be listening while they're chilling by the pool because, you know, they live in California or Florida, and it's not still in the 30s (laughs) in late March like it is here in Chicago. So, I mean, please go over, and while you listen to the podcast on iTunes, Give us that five-star rating. We would really mean the world to us. But, Brandon, let's talk. We talked a little bit about March Madness as it relates to the draft early on. YouTube, you'll see that tomorrow. But let's talk a little bit about the Duke Blue Devils. We're going to do a Sweet 16 preview. We'll save that for the end where we'll kind of run through the Sweet 16 games and give kind of our slap shot or snapshot thoughts about those games but with I like the slap shot the slap shot we're playing a little <laughs> hockey here brandon um but with the duke blue devils almost lost to taco fall and the ufc many would say Knights. should have it was very i'll be honest very patrick ewing-esque um in the nba playoff series against the indiana pacers from like the mid 90s where patrick ewing Driving up the middle of the lane, puts the layup in. He thought there was going to be contact, but there wasn't, so he let it up softly, and it went ba-dunk, ba-dunk, off the back rim, off the front rim, and they did not win that series. Kind of was the same this time with, you know, the layup went in, it went out, and then the putback, just no, didn't, and it went, and it rolled out. That top view is just so heartbreaking to watch from the camera above the black uh, the backboard. But, Brandon, I want to throw this out at you. Is Duke in trouble heading into the Sweet 16? Uh, you know, Max Kellerman, no, they're fine. There's no, no one's one, got a blueprint no one us to the beat blueprint. Duke. Uh, yeah, uh, Duke, Duke has – I said it to my buddy I was watching all the games with yesterday. Mm-hmm. Duke was in that, that post-game locker room. They didn't feel like they won. Yeah. There's no way that one of those players actually felt like they won well, that Zion game. Zion felt like he won because he wins every night. Well. <laughs> Regardless of the team score, he had 32. He felt really good about himself. But you certainly don't You don't walk away from that game feeling happy. No. Or feeling good about mm-hmm. the performance that you just had. And nor should you. Survive and advance, baby. Survive and advance. And that's what it is all about. That's what March is certainly all about. And I totally mm-hmm. get that. But Duke, are they in trouble? Are they in trouble? I don't know if they're in trouble, but are they on high alert? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen Virginia Tech, who Duke will be taking on. We've seen Virginia Tech play a, a couple of good games here. And, you know, they, they beat St. Louis uh, with with ease. And then they beat a Liberty team that was playing, that played really well against Mississippi State. They play that Liberty team pretty well in the second half. The first half, Liberty hung with them pretty well, but second half, Virginia Tech took over, had a couple of good uh, good plays on their end. But you look at Duke, and you look at what they were able to do. Of course, Zion Williamson was all every bit as he's been advertised all season long with 32 points and 11 rebounds. Zion's great. You don't have to worry about Zion. 
Cam Reddish actually showed up, played a, a, a one of his better games, I thought, mm-hmm. of the of the season. But the the key for for Virginia Tech is going to be when <laughs> when Trey Jones has the ball right at the top of the key and he's wide Let open shoot it. and he's going to shoot it. Everyone back away. Get ready for the rebound because it's going to be a miss. Let's get two guys on Zion to try to box him out because you can't have just one. you got to have two because Virginia Tech doesn't have a taco fall on their team and nobody else will have a taco fall on their team for the rest of the tournament. I, I think that right right now going into this game, what Virginia Tech has to look at is mm-hmm. go ahead and, 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 and if, if guys like Trey Jones want to take those shots, let them take those shots. But also – for Virginia Tech, are you going to be able to get big enough down low to take on Zion Williamson? Mm-hmm. Because I know Zion looked small uh, against Taco Fall, but he is not a small man, and he is going to body you up, and he is going to use every bit of his strength to get that ball in the hoop, which he has done all season long, which he is going to continue to do for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And certainly in this tournament, no matter how far Duke goes, that's what he'll be doing. So Virginia Tech, do you have a game plan to keep those points out of the paint and to frustrate Zion down low? Because that's going to be, I think, a number one factor. From the outside, Duke, Duke's going to take shots. Mm-hmm. They they weren't really on on Sunday. Really, none of them were. R.J. Barrett had 16 points. He wasn't on. And like I said, you know, Cam Reddish had 13. He wasn't on. Zion was the guy who was on. But let Duke take those shots. You can live with that. But do not continuously get beat down low. That's going to have to be the game plan for Virginia Tech. Yeah, when it comes to Duke, this next weekend, I'm I'm not worried this weekend. And the reason why I'm not is I know many people say, well, guys, you got to be nervous for this first game because Virginia Tech beat Duke this season. Yeah. Well, the big thing of why Duke lost, they didn't have Zion that game. That was when Zion, we kind of saw the mini shutdown of Zion Williamson where it was like, hey, you know what, you're fine. We're going to keep you for the tournament because there's no way that we're not going to make this tournament. So you'll come back for the conference tournament and then play into uh, the NCAA tournament. And immediately, I look back to that game. Blackshear Jr., Kerry Blackshear Jr., yes. had 23 points in that win, that 77-72 win. I'll tell you this, he ain't going to have that many points. And the reason why I say that is Zion will be there playing defense on him this time. And he was a guy that, yes, I know nine of those points came from the line. You could say, well, if he gets Zion in foul trouble— then maybe, but the reason to me why he was going so much to the line is Duke didn't have an answer for him. Without Zion out there, they didn't have that 6'10 presence out there to match up with him defensively. That's going to change right away. He's going to have a kind of lesser performance. Also, if you look at it, in the last game against Liberty, he got into foul trouble. I could see that being... A similar story here because, to me, Blackshear Jr., not the most sound defensive player. Is he a turnstile? No, but he's not someone that's going to light you up on the block with his defense. So, to me, I could see him getting into foul trouble. I could see him maybe fouling out late in the game like everyone was saying, like, oh, man, taco fall and no team has a taco fall. Taco fall late in the game fouled out to Zion. 
And there's a reason, because Zion, being the best player in college, is kind of hard to guard even when you're a 7'6 monster out there and are taller than Zion Williamson. So that is the first thing I look at. Then I look at their next matchup, and to me, there's nobody on Michigan State that can match up to Zion Williamson. So I could see now... I will say, LSU is a little bit different. Naz Reed versus Zion might be interesting just because they're both taller, bigger guys and can, like, Naz Reed, hey, we're going to have to need you to put some work in on Zion and kind of slow him down. But I expect Michigan State to move on. That's why I threw out Michigan State. But LSU still has a chance, and that would, of course, make it different. But my biggest thing that I worry about is them in the final four. Because I'll tell you this, if this team that showed up these last two games, especially the one that showed up against UCF, shows up in Minnesota on that Saturday against the Gonzaga team, Gonzaga will beat Duke again and go on to the national championship on that following Monday. You really think Gonzaga's going to make it to the final four? They have a chance. No, they do. I think they'll. I think Gonzaga will beat Florida State, then it's a toss-up between either Texas Tech or Michigan, but I think Gonzaga has a very good chance now um, of making it to the Final Four out of the West region. Like They're just a team that they have a complete team, and I don't think there's a team that can do, what A, what St. Mary's did to them, and two, I don't think they will shoot that poorly after what I saw this first weekend of the tournament, I still think you got to watch out for Michigan. No, Michigan. I mean, could I, be a I, tough I, one. I know that Texas Tech. You know, mm-hmm. it's Michigan still has to go through Texas Tech. But I, after what Michigan did to to Florida this this past weekend, mm-hmm. and I know they only won by fifteen points, but and then only fifteen, and neither team actually played all that well in the second half. But mm-hmm. Michigan can really get going from beyond the arc, and yep. then they've got them big guys in there too. So I mean, they're a they're a sound team. They've, they've got to be, you know, uh, John Beeline's got to be proud of that program that mm-hmm. he's built up again this year. Uh, you know, they lost some guys last year, but they they returned a lot yeah. this season. So Like your boy Charles Matthews. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then Jordan Poole. Saint he's, Rita uh, you know, too. obviously fun to, to watch, too. So, I mean, I, I, I like Michigan. I've got them in my final mm-hmm. four. But going back to Duke, I think the next time they really have their challenge is going to be against Michigan State in the Elite Eight. Because I, I, so? I think Duke is going to get past Virginia Tech. I don't want to say it's going to be easy at all by any means, but I think that Coach K is going to really be this week in practice. Is, it's going to be, guys, we saw what just happened. This is not happening again. We don't want this to happen again. We've mm-hmm. got to play harder. We've got to play smarter. Uh, you know, I think that I don't think we're going to see Trey Jones shooting so much <laughs> in this next game because that's that hasn't been him all season long, no. and we clearly saw that that's not him in the game on Sunday. So I, I think that there's going to be less of that. It's going to be a little bit more efficient from Duke. It was really inefficient shooting uh, on Sunday. That won't happen twice in a row. Duke is going to have a very tough contest, though, I think against Michigan State, who I believe will get through LSU. So that's going to be uh, the next, I think, really big test for the Duke Blue Devils to go against a very sound Michigan State team. However... Michigan State cannot turn the ball over 20-plus times. It may work against a Minnesota team, but it will not be working against a Duke team. Yeah, I don't know. I just, with me, or LSU. With me the thing I see from, from the Spartans is basically who's going to match up with Zion. 
And right now they run, let's see, did they run the same three forwards? Yeah. Right now they ran three forwards in there. And a lot of this too can be mix and match, like using a combination of guys. But they got Goings, Henry, and Tillman are the three forwards that they've started. Xavier Tillman is 6'8". You've got Kenny Goins is um, 6'7". Aaron Henry is 6'6". The only like the only people they have over six eight are Marcus Bingham and Braden Burke. Those are the only two, and none of those names that I've said strike fear into my eyes when I've got a Zion Williamson on my team. They will How, when they're putting the three down. However, well, and that's the thing: can Michigan State, can a Virginia Tech, can an LSU, can any of these teams? Knock down the three so well, like phenomenal. Like if anyone catches fire from three and has an, I mean, team plays phenomenally, it's going to be hard to beat them in March. Like we have seen for years, the three ball rules in March. The only question I have is with Duke, are they going to be able to find their answer from three? Because when I look just at the big three from Duke, RJ Barrett this season, Averaging two of six from three, not great. Cam Reddish, three of eight, not great. Zion Williamson, we talk about how if he can develop a shot, he would be a certain kind of beast. So I'm just going to leave that one there. Hey, he knocked down a couple of big threes. He can on Sunday. He can knock it down. And 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 again, clutch player. Which he came through in the clutch. Which is funny. He's not the one I worry about. It's RJ and Cam. That I'm worrying about. Oh, sure. One of them needs to come to play, and this Duke team needs to shoot well from three because the thing that I was um, looking at was against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, I want to say, had seven and eight threes, respectively, in their games. Duke had eight and ten. So it's like, okay, these two teams fairly similar from beyond the arc in their games. And Michigan State against Minnesota – 6 of 15 from beyond the arc against Bradley, 5 of 19. That team also has not been a big three-point team in this tournament, and that might aid Duke if they see both of those teams heading into the Final Four this upcoming weekend. Ricky, while we're on the topic, do you want to go through and just talk about some of the other Sweet 16 games that you're looking forward to? I would love to. I was going to say let's start with the Thursday and go right down. So we'll start Florida State-Gonzaga. What are you thinking? Well, I didn't have either of these teams even at this point. Really? Um, I did. I did not. You had because Murray State, didn't you? I did. I tried to, Murray State. Uh, we, Syracuse? We, 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 yes, <laughs> because Syracuse uh, screwed me last year, so I thought, I'll go with them this yeah. year. They screwed me again. You want to um, know what else? Funny thing. What's that? Speaking of Syracuse, you know what today marks the three-year anniversary of? No. When oh, saw when we li- saw them. We saw them live in the Sweet 16, 2016. Three years ago, this very moment, maybe this very second, we were watching games at the UC, Gonzaga, Syracuse, and then Iowa State played. Oh, who did they play? Who did they beat? Um, oh, they Virginia. Did, they beat Virginia. Virginia. Because it was Virginia and Syracuse were both orange, and then Iowa State and Gonzaga. So FSU, Gonzaga. Um, I, since obviously I have I don't have either of these t- teams at this point, I, I'm just making this up on the fly. Um <laughs> I'm going to actually go with the upset. I'm going to go with Florida State. 
I, I think that mm-hmm. they're bigger, they're stronger, and if they can hold Gonzaga to limited threes, they'll win. What is absolutely funny, and this is the main reason why I have not thrown this out yet, um, our bracket pool, I'm first place for probably the first time ever that we've done a bracket pool for MVP. A big thing of why is out of the Thursday games, guess how many I did not have in the Sweet 16 out of just the Thursday games? How many? Purdue. They're the only ones. I had St. Mary's. Out of the Friday game, guess who's the only team I did not have in the Sweet 16? I had Belmont, not LSU. Two teams of my Sweet 16 are done. My complete Elite Eight is still alive. My complete Final Four is still alive. And because of that, my champions are still alive as well. With me in this one, I'm kind of then going straight through my picks then. Gonzaga. I sw- I originally had what you had and had them lose to Syracuse. <laughs> but the day the tournament started, that morning I was looking at my bracket and I was like, nope, can't do it. Gonzaga's too stacked of a team, and I don't think any team is going to be able to beat them unless it's the Duke Blue Devils. I'm going to have Gonzaga move right along. They're playing in Anaheim. They're playing at the Honda Center. Um, not very far from Gonzaga. It's a lot further of a travel for Florida State coming from Tallahassee. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga. And like I said to you in our group chat as a joke, you know, Brandon Clark, he's going to go off for 50 as they move on into the Elite Eight. How about Purdue and Tennessee? And could this be the sneaky one that if Carson Edwards shows up, this could be the big upset we see, although it's a three over a two. Yeah, I'm going to go with Purdue again. I'm going to go with Purdue again. I, I really Tennessee's lo- only a one-point favorite. Yeah, you know, well, because Tennessee is a good team. They're an athletic mm-hmm. team, but... I think that we saw what Iowa was able to do against them to come back from 21 points down. That game looked like such a clunker. First game of the day yesterday, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, this is going to suck. Mm-hmm. But it was ended up being great. I think it's going to be really hard to defend Purdue's shooting from the outside. Carson Edwards on the outside. You look at Matt Harms on the inside, and Harms can even step out and shoot the three as well. He was really big down low. I, I think that... We are looking at a really good matchup, but I'm going to go with Purdue. Yeah, I am, no shocker, going to go with the team that I predicted in our bracket at the beginning of the year. I'm going to go with Tennessee, and here's why. Carson Edwards had a great performance in the game against Villanova. However, what's the word we used with Carson Edwards? He's been inconsistent so far this year. Also, Purdue has a curse. Purdue don't go far in the tournament. This is probably the furthest Purdue has gone in a long time, and they're kind of nervous. And Tennessee, Admiral Schofield, a little bit more consistent. Grant Williams has that veteran-like quality to him. I like Tennessee to just squeak out a win against Purdue. Not going to say it's going to be a blowout, but just squeak out a win in the KFC Yum Center against the Boilermakers from Purdue. This next one, the next two actually, are my favorite games that I'm looking forward to on Thursday. Texas Tech and Michigan. Because I've loved Michigan the last few years. I was they were my Oregon of last year where I was like, yeah. watch out for Michigan. Yeah. They're playing really hot. They went all the way to the national championship and I had them 
in that championship. Oh, I had them winning um, in that game. And then we have Texas Tech, who's playing really well. Obviously, Jared Culver's playing very well. Who do you like in this one, and why is it Michigan? <laughs> I love, I know I love how you Michigan. put it. I am going to go with Michigan, but I, I'm interested to see what Texas Tech is able to do as one of the best defensive teams in the country. I'm interested to see how that affects Michigan. How are they going to game plan for the Wolverines? Again, they've got guys on the outside who can shoot it well, mm-hmm. but they also have those big guys down low that are tough to defend. How are they going to to come out and and and, def- and defend against that offense that Michigan runs? And they're very good. Also, Michigan, they I think what did they say that Michigan ran the fewest plays in the Big Ten, and it's because they're trying to set up the best play, mm-hmm. and they usually get it. That's why they're one of the best teams in the country. So let's see if Texas Tech is able to take them out of their rhythm. And, and force them to uh, put more plays together that are maybe inefficient. But I'm going to go Michigan. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think will play the most into this on the Texas Tech side is that their defense, Michigan has not seen a defense like Texas Tech all year, I'm going to say. And last year, you know what? Kind of a similar road for Texas, Texas Tech, meaning they played Purdue – in the Sweet 16, a Big Ten team, beat them 78-65. to 65. So they're a team that's coming into this going, hey, we played a Big Ten school last year who was the mighty two seed. Well, we beat them. It wasn't until, you know, the next game where we lost to the eventual national champion, which would be interesting because same thing could play out this year where, hmm, I'm actually going to see really quick at Texas Tech. So 14-6, and one are the opponents they played last year. Holy crap. Northern Kentucky, 14. Buffalo, 6 seed. Michigan, a 2 seed. Pardon me in my second chance. In my main bracket, I should have picked Texas Tech to win this game because it's the same road they had last year. They're just going to lose to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. However, I'm going to agree with you only because in my bracket, I picked Michigan to go on to the next round. But this... This and the Tennessee-Purdue game, I think, are the closest games of the Thursday because of how well Texas Tech plays defense. Michigan has not seen that at all this year. And then the Tennessee-Purdue one, let's see the consistency of Carson Edwards going up against Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. How about the last one from Thursday? Quack, quack, the Oregon Ducks throwing up the O. Going up against UVA, I'm actually going to start with this one. I'm picking Oregon. You want to know why? UVA has not, not impressed me this tournament. Mm -hmm. They came out flat-footed, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, they had the demons of last year's tournament. You want to know what's going to happen this time, Brandon? I do. Entice me, Ricky. Last year, last year, Virginia. The one and only number one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Guess what's never happened before, Brandon? A one lose to a 12. A 12 has never beaten a one until this year. Virginia will be the only one seed to lose to not only a 16 seed, but a 12 seed as well. It is decided. Mark it down. 
Book Oregon it. moves on. Book it. Pritchard's been doing. Yeah. Oh, he's like the ball screens from him. Lewis King's been scoring. The only thing that this Oregon Duck team needs that would make them more entertaining is just put, put big old ball ball right there, or bowl ball right there at the five. And this would be a complete fun team to watch. I'm going to go with them being the 12 seed to move on to the Elite Eight. I badly want to agree with you. Um, my bracket doesn't show. But DeAndre show, Hunter. My bracket does not show that I've agreed with you. But yeah. here's the thing is that. Well, if, I, you, if I, you agree with me, you just concede defeat in our bracket tournament. I do. I do. <laughs> I do agree that Virginia has been unimpressive. They have mm-hmm. not. They have not. They've been tested by teams, by not not even the best teams in this in this tournament yet. Yeah. They're looking at an Oregon team that has been very strong in its last two games. And I understand mm. Oregon came out last night in the second half and just, they were like shocked, couldn't make anything. Missed their first, what, eight shots, ten shots, something like that in the second half. But then they uh, obviously got it together. And they were, they overmatched UC Irvine. They were the better team athletically. They were the better team just in terms of being able to put some offense together. They overwhelmed the Anteaters in the second half. They did it in the first half. They did it again once they got probably through eight minutes in the second half. Mm-hmm. But I I like Oregon for all the reasons that you said. They offensively, it runs through Peyton Pritchard. He's been really, really clutch. He's Especially been outstanding. Off those ball yes, he's been great to watch, and he can mm-hmm. put it down. And and then you've got Kenny Wooten going up and get it, getting it. King's been phenomenal. They're a fun team to watch. They've got a lot of energy, and they don't have a lot of people, I don't think, believing in them. They didn't have it against except Wisconsin. For, except for me and Bill Walton, baby. Quack, <laughs> quack, baby. Quack, quack. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, a week five, I, I, you know, I, I yeah. think we both believed The only Big that Ten team going to, to lose yeah. in – Thursday, Friday games yeah. in the first round. The only Big Ten team to lose. Virginia has some solid playmakers mm-hmm. and some good scores. Virginia has more experience on their current team than Oregon does. I'm going to go with Virginia. I don't want to, but I'm going to <laughs> well, just because of the fact that I I should. I should go with Virginia well, because statistics show that Virginia should win. You and I but, are in very different waters. I don't know about you, but definitely for me where um, I filled out the second chance, which, by the way, um, we're going to record something for the very beginning of the podcast, but I'll remind you guys now. If you haven't joined it, link down below to join our um, second chance group in case your bracket is completely garbage and you want a second chance to try to beat me because I'm number one. I said I was in my mind. I said I wasn't going to do that because if I get cocky, that means I'm going to lose games. So I'm sorry that I got cocky. Yeah, because don't get energy. too cocky. Because remember who's right behind Good you. Good energy. I need I need to continue this. Um, but it was weird for me because like with example these games. All right, Gonzaga, Florida State. Well, I guess I'll go with what I did originally. All right, Michigan, Texas Tech. Well, I guess I'll go what I did originally. I just did what I have on my bracket right now because all of my Final Four teams are still there. Both of my national champion teams are still there, and all my Elite Eight teams are still there. So I was like basically 
do I choose something different just in case I'm wrong? Or do I go with what I originally said was that I'm going to go with my gut because that's what they always tell you to do. How about the Friday games now? First one kicking it off. LSU, I originally had Belmont in the spot. LSU proved me wrong. They're going up against Michigan State. Who wins in Washington, D.C.? The Tigers or the Spartans? I like the Spartans. Uh, you know, I think LSU is a strong team this year. Obviously, mm-hmm. they showed it in the SEC by winning it. Uh, but I think that Michigan State, they too have shown that they are a very strong team. They they won outright in the Big Ten. They beat Michigan, a, a very good Michigan Three team weekends to, to, in a row. to do that. Uh, Michigan State, it's got so many playmakers. They can score in bunches. I, I'm going to go with the Spartans. And especially if I'm Michigan State, I know we were complaining, like, oh, how do you let them be the sixth overall seed when they should have been the five? I think Michigan State right now is going, well, thank you. I'd rather play LSU this weekend than that Texas Tech team that the Michigan Wolverines have to play against. And Washington, D.C. is a little bit closer to Lansing than Anaheim is to Ann Arbor. Yeah, I'm going to go with Michigan State. I'm not even super confident because I could see LSU winning this game, especially if Naz Reed comes out and has like a three-for-four, three-game and kind of dominates on the board. But I think Cassius Winston's going to be able to do enough in this game. Tom Izzo is going to do some phenomenal coaching. Notice what I said there. Phenomenal coaching from Tom Izzo to get the job done. Then the game, I know this is Brandon's game of the weekend, no matter what is set up in the Elite Eight. How excited are you for Auburn, North Carolina, Sprint Center, KC, Mizzou? I'm very excited for it. I think it's going to be a very, very fun game to watch. Uh, However, quite nervous, um, because if Auburn comes out and shoots the way that Auburn did against Kansas... And North Carolina comes out and shoots the way that it did against Washington. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ugly quick. Yeah. Um, I am going to go with the fact that Auburn will not come out as hot as it was the mm-hmm. other night. And that North Carolina is a better team than Kansas is. Kansas was a four in the tournament, but they were not the Kansas that they've been in the past. No. North Carolina. There were many people that picked Northeastern to beat them. Well, didn't quite happen, but uh, I, I understand why they why they picked Northeastern. Mm-hmm. I in in this one, and it's not my my North Carolina, uh, you know, fandom in me of of going with this. I just think that North Carolina is a more experienced team in this tournament. I think that that will help lift them if they're able to get another great performance like they did again uh, um, out of Luke May, like they did against Washington, and you know. Kobe, I mean, th- that guy is out- outstanding. And if we could see Nasir Little actually come to play like he's been pretty solid the last couple of games, I think North Carolina wins this one, but it's a close one down to the end. Well, the one thing that I forgot to check that I completely was like, oh, my God, Kansas lost. I can check it. Um, my Bulls hopes have been dashed um, because I'm reading here that Bill Self about the Bulls coaching rumor was like, well, I don't know where that came from, which I'm still holding on hope maybe that he could be the head coach over Jim Boylan um, because Jim Boylan's not the future. Yeah, but this one for me, very excited for this one. I'm going to go with North Carolina only because I feel like they're more of a complete team than, A, they're more of a complete team. You got Luke May, who's the veteran on that team. 
Cam Johnson, who is one of my sleepers in the draft, could be rising up. Uh, draft boards with good play. Kobe White is Kobe White and will probably be a top 10 pick in the draft this year if he continues to play well. Plus, I'm going to give the coaching nod to Roy Williams over um, Bruce Pearl. And the wild card, I will say, is Nasir Little. Didn't think I'd ever say that in this tournament, um, but he's played two really good games scoring. It seems like he might be finding his own a little bit. And if he can give them a spark, if he gives them 19 to 20 points off the bench, there's no way that they lose to Auburn, no matter how hot Auburn plays in that game. Then the big one we talked about earlier, VT Duke, who you got, the Dukies or the Hokies, in an ACC rematch from earlier this year. I'm going with Duke. They've got Zion Williamson. He's healthy. We saw what he did. So just say I'm going with Zion Williamson. I'm going with the Zion. I'm, I'm going with the Zion Williamsons. Um, <laughs> you know he, that he joke never gets old. You know it does not. Uh, he played an incredible game, even going against a seven-six. Apparently that's human. Uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that they they made him that big, but he was able to still have great success uh, against Taco. And and what Duke needs to do is they need to get to what they did to give them success throughout the season. And that is not having Trey Jones shoot it from the top of the key. That is not having Trey Jones shoot it from the right wing. That's having Trey Jones just not really shoot it. Mm-hmm. Just pass it around, run the offense, and have R.J. Barrett, hopefully Cam Reddish, and then Zion Williamson do their thing. And I think Duke will do that. They'll win. Yeah, the whole reason I look at this is, like I said before, I don't see Blackshear having the game he had with Zion being there. I see this game being completely different with Zion being out there compared to not being out there. And I've got Duke with the win. The only team I feel, there are two teams in this tournament, I think stand in the way of Duke from winning a championship. That is the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who they'll probably play in the Final Four. That is the North Carolina Tar Heels that they could play in the National Championship. Those are the only two. So the last two games that Duke could play will be the only opponents that I think could take down the mighty mountain, which is Duke this year. And then the last one, which I am excited for, Houston, Kentucky. I'll give my pick for this one first. I got Houston. I picked Houston from the beginning to win this one um, to upset because, well, not really upset because I had Wofford in my bracket beating Kentucky, which almost happened. If McGee would have hit two free, like two three-pointers, what, two of 12 from three, the Terriers would have been in this game playing against Houston. But Kentucky's slowing down at the worst possible time. They have a good game against Albany Christian. P.J. Washington probably won't play for this one. Like you mentioned earlier in our first segment, you've got Kentucky had a, I don't want to say bad, but they had a not Kentucky game against Wofford. Just had to inch by to barely um, get out of, had to pull a Duke Blue Devils just to get away from the Wofford Terriers. And the thing that I look at is this Houston team, they've only lost three games all year. And they're a team that is led by a very, very, very sensational guard. And I want to say it's Gary Davis. I'm, that name is, I'm screwing up that name already. Um, but it's, yeah, Gar- Corey Davis. Corey Davis. I would say Gary Corey Davis. Corey, Davis, Corey, Corey right. Davis Jr., led by him. They get past Ohio State. I think they get past Kentucky. And we see a Tar Heel Cougar Elite Eight game. On Sunday. And 
Ricky, I, I am going to agree with you there. I actually think mm-hmm. that just like what you said, Kentucky is is coming into this game really they they beat they beat Wofford, but they didn't do it in a phenomenal fashion. And I know mm-hmm. there's been a they were not the only team that didn't win in you know, blowout fashion or 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 anything like that this past weekend. Calvin but, Johnson needs but it to was, play better. But man. it was Kentucky that you really looked at it and you went, mm-hmm. "Man, they're lucky to have been able to survive this game against yep. Wofford. They're lucky. They're lucky, but they also did play good enough defense to hold Fletcher McGee to zero threes. Mm-hmm. Part of that was McGee just wasn't on that day. Well, I just, from a three point shooter, sometimes you're just not on. I just feel like Coach Cal's main thing was don't let it. Don't let his three beat us. Let someone else beat us. Like, that's the game plan. And with Houston, could they do the same thing? Could they lock down on Corey Davis Jr. to where someone else beats them? I think that this game is not as easy defensively as a Wofford game is because they basically shut McGee down from three, and that was the reason why they won that game. Because, like I said, if he hits two threes— they win that game, and Kentucky is going home. What I want to do really quickly here at the end is go through our hypothetical Elite Eight since it's kind of the weekend in total. So the first ones we'll go through are the ones we had the same. First off, Gonzaga, Michigan, if that – well, you had Florida State, Michigan. Florida State, Michigan, who wins that game and why? Uh, I am going to go with Michigan. I think that they are – just an extremely all-around sound basketball team. Mm-hmm. Inside, they've got the bigs to take on Florida State. On the outside, they've got just phenomenal shooters. I think that that's going to be just too much for the Seminoles. See, mine's Gonzaga, Michigan. I'm going to go with Gonzaga. They've got too many good players for Michigan to handle, and I think it's them running in transition. Michigan might put up a fight early on. Gonzaga pulls away late, gets the win. How about you had North Carolina? Did you pick Houston or Kentucky? I picked Houston. So we both had North Carolina, Houston, or did you have Auburn? I uh, North Carolina and so Houston. We both have North Carolina and Houston. I am going with the upset in this one, although I probably shouldn't. I am going with Houston to get it done. Although based on if North Carolina plays well against Auburn, I probably shouldn't have. But I'm going to go with the hot upset of Houston over the Tar Heels rather than the one seed getting to the Final Four. I'm going with North Carolina. They're able to get past Auburn. I think that they're able to get past Houston as well. Did we both say Duke-Michigan State? We did. Duke for obvious reasons? I'm going Duke as well. Okay. It's going to yeah, be. I think I mean, that'll be a close game, I just don't but think, I'm going to go with Duke. I just don't think Michigan State, if anyone in this East region that's left, can match up with Zion. It might be LSU because of Naz Reed, but if Michigan State's there, I just don't see them matching up well with Zion, no matter how well they shoot from beyond the arc. And then last but not least, this is the one where we totally had that was different. You've got Virginia-Purdue. I've got Oregon-Tennessee. This is where the magical run for Oregon will end for me. I think that if Schofield and Williams and the Volunteers get past Purdue— they will have enough kind of momentum and enough swagger, enough consistency to get past Oregon. But I was telling you, Brandon, after Oregon won against the Anteaters, I'm like, and after seeing Virginia play, I'm like, man, I should have kept them as my... Because this was the matchup where it was like, uh, I had Oregon to the national championship to lose to Duke. 
Then I just changed it to Tennessee. Like they were same road for either team. I'm going to go with Tennessee. However, I could see Oregon beating Tennessee with how hot they have been. How about your game, Virginia Purdue? Who you got? So I'm I'm going for some of these games. I'm going um, away from how I actually filled out my bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've got. Uh, I want my gut. I'm I'm going to go big. I'm, so I got to trust it. I'm going with Purdue. Um, over Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm so that's a change from what I had in my original bracket. But even if it was Oregon and Purdue, I would still go with Purdue. I think when you look at Oregon Purdue, you look at Purdue being almost a mirror image of what Oregon is, but better, mm-hmm. a better version of themselves with good outside shooting, big guy down low, and just I think Purdue is a more athletic team that's done it so many times this season and even though Oregon's running at the right time certainly on a nine game winning streak I think Mm -hmm. Purdue and it's hot shooting is going to bring that would bring that to an end but I had I picked Virginia Purdue I would still go right now with how those these teams have played I'm going Purdue Virginia they're I'm not confident in them they need to have a very good showing against the Oregon Ducks If, if they're able to win they've got to be able to win Obviously, if you just hang on, when you still you still move on, it's, it's survive in advance, of course. Mm-hmm. But Virginia, you'd love to see a, an overwhelming win for the for the uh, for the Virginia. I can't think of their mascot right now. Um, but the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers. Yes, I, I, the wanted, Wahoos. I wanted to say the Virginia Swords because that's all I I saw that. And I'm like, that's not it. The Wahoos. But, um, yeah, so I'm going with Purdue. So last thing I'm going to say is if you have not already, click the link down below. Join our second chance bracket group. We had a lot of people join yeah. our tournament group, which was great. However, I will say I'm happy of the four or five people that joined our women's tournament. Brandon didn't even fill out a women's bracket. No. I did, though. No. I am in last place in our women's bracket because, you know, I get a little ballsy with that one. But, of course, I still have UConn winning it all. Last thing I will say, Brandon, here on the podcast, we should save our money up. You want to know why? Next next year, 2020, the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 are in Indianapolis. I say we go down March 16th, March 26th, March 18th. We go down, see some Sweet 16 and Elite 8 action. And then in 2021, these tickets will be a little bit more expensive. The Final Four is in Indianapolis. Oh, wow. So the next two years, I say... If if anything, let's try to get tickets to that Final Four and National Championship in Indianapolis. Could that'd you imagine seeing? Because that'd be fun. Unless it's going to be. Oh, that's right. No. Okay. So in yeah, they're both there. I forgot. That's what they do for the basketball. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to have it at uh, you know Baker's Fieldhouse where uh, the Pacers play. Um, but no. Guess where it is? Lucas Oil Stadium. Ooh, so we get to watch. Yeah. It's a weird thing of watching basketball in a football stadium, but I get why they do it. There's more people. But this is where you guys come in and let us know what you guys think down below about the Duke Blue Devils that we talked about earlier, and then who do you guys got for the rest of the weekend, Sweet 16 and Elite 8. And, Brandon, let's close out the podcast Talking a little bit of football, moving away from the hardwood, going to that nice grass, maybe that nice Kentucky bluegrass, or let's be honest, most fields nowadays, it's that nice AstroTurf um, that feels, actually, by the way, it does feel really good to march on AstroTurf, as I was in marching band in high school and college. 
it is like walking on pillows or like clouds when you march on AstroTurf compared to actual grass because there's no bumps and it's nice <laughs> and flat and it's nice and squishy. Um, and yeah, it's really nice. So if you've <laughs> ever walked on AstroTurf, you know that it's nice to walk on. Um, I've never been hit, so maybe being hit and driven into it like a football player kind of hurts. It sure doesn't feel great. Um, but sure, I've never done great. that. I've only marched on it and roll stepped on the AstroTurf. But what we were talking about today is NFL draft. We're taking a look at one of the quarterbacks in the NFL draft, and that is Drew Locke because we've talked at nauseum, especially on the onside kick, about Kyler Murray. It's like every mock draft, Mark and I go, well, we're talking about Kyler Murray again. I know you guys don't want us to talk about Kyler Murray yet again, but he's intriguing, so we talk about him. And then we've talked enough about Dwayne Haskins, but a guy gaining steam as we get closer and closer to the draft at the end of April is Drew Locke. And I was reading a article from uh, Todd McShay, and in it he talks about the possibility of Drew Locke being a top 10 pick. And this is exactly what he says. With Arizona interested in taking Murray at 11, a handful of teams will be interested in trading for Josh Rosen. Then it becomes Haskins versus Locke, and there are teams in the first round that prefer Locke over Haskins right now. The Missouri quarterback has met with or has plans to meet with all of the QB needy franchises, and he has plans to have sec- a second meeting and a workout with the Dolphins. With his smaller 9-inch hands, ideally he ends up in a dome or a warmer weather situation, but I haven't seen any issue with weather on tape. Locke marries confidence with the ability to relate with his teammates, and a team will like that. Murray has a na- has a natural instincts, and Haskin has incredible football intelligence, but teams will feel comfortable with who Locke is and his full resume. Don't be surprised if you start hearing more top 10 buzz for Locke. I want to ask you, Brandon, plain and simple, when we get to the draft April 26th, first round, will Drew Locke be a top 10 pick? Where are the Dolphins in? They are outside the top 10. So in order for him to be a top 10 pick, a team like the Dolphins or the Redskins would have to trade up in order to get him. Then I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. If the Dolphins are not willing to trade up and trade mm-hmm. into the top 10, I'm going to say that he doesn't go. Okay. Because I think that there's, again, as we've talked, I think that there's so many defensive players that are really good that teams are going to try and get. And this could all change. Again, mm-hmm. if the Miami Dolphins you know, trade into the top 10, and I understand that the Miami Dolphins, as I'm sure you and Mark have touched on as well, in the onside kick is the fact that, oh, they're going to they're going to wait till 2020 for, for Tua. The Miami Dolphins do not have time to wait. The mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins are not a good team. They need to find a quarterback now, and they can do it. They can do it with Drew Locke. I, I think he's a really good quarterback. I, I, I like Drew Locke very much. I think that everything that you mentioned in that 
in that little excerpt is mm-hmm. completely spot on. He's got an incredible cannon for an arm. He moves well. Um, he can roll out of the pocket, and he's got great athleticism. He, his mobility is good. It's his mobility is actually better than Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 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 if you're looking for something that oh, if it puts him over Dwayne Haskins, maybe that does. Some people would say Dwayne Haskins didn't move enough, but if he did, he would still be good. Um, so you know, there's there's that, but. Locke, I just don't necessarily see him in the top 10, though, because, Rick, you actually, you know, run down the top 10 teams so, in, in terms of where they are right now. No trades, obviously, anything like here, that, but where are they? Here's the top 10. So at number one, the Arizona Cardinals. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. Number three, New York Jets. Number four, Oakland Raiders. Number five, Tampa Bay Bucks. Number six, New York Giants. Number seven, Jacksonville Jaguars, number eight, Detroit Lions, nine, Buffalo Bills, 10, Denver Broncos. Because I'm on the opposite side of you. I think that he will be a top 10 pick. There's a team trading up for him. That's what I think. There I mean, will be a team that uh, well, trades up for I'm, him. I'm telling you, if the, if, the, if the Miami Dolphins were to trade up, then yes, he'd be, I'm, but I don't. So so much has been talked about that. Oh, the the Giants are are interested in Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Would he? Could, There's two could you, options could you, for a trade up. But I also I also I also wonder here. So mm-hmm. for the Denver Broncos, Joe Flacco is not a long term fix. Bingo! They could trade up too. You know they they could be a team that's that's trading up a little bit. Or if he fell to them at ten, uh, you know they're. Joe Flacco is a guy who's around for a maybe another year, for this year, maybe another. Mm-hmm. But he is not their long-term fix. They're going to have to find a guy in the draft. Mm-hmm. And that could be possibly this year. Um, they The Denver Broncos do have young talent. Uh, they have a really good running back. They've got some young wide receivers that are looking like they could really turn into something good. So they're putting some pieces together. They just need a guy who can mm-hmm. get them the ball and and score some points. Mm-hmm. So I will turn it over to you for your thoughts. But I, I'm i a little hesitant to say that, no, he'll be outside of the top ten, but I could very well see a trade happening to get him. Here is why I feel like a trade is going to happen is number one, I'm reading an article today and this is from MiamiDolphins.com and it's written by, Ooh, I hope I said, I hope it's Allen, A-L-A-L-N, Allen, right? A-L-A-L-N. Yeah, Allen. Allen, uh, pull part. And what the article says is Chris Greer, who is the GM for the Dolphins, all options on the table for future quarterback. And the article goes on to say that, um, like, now that the Dolphins have their bridge quarterback, because they've traded Ryan Tannehill, he's not going to be here. They've signed Ryan Fitzpatrick to, I believe it's just a two-year deal that they have Fitzy for. They can draft a guy like Drew Locke, let him basically maybe Patrick Mahomes it, where he sits a year, maybe sits two years while he develops, and they could go ahead and do that. They don't have to wait for Tua. The exact quote from Greer, the GM, says, I would say all options are on the table. I wouldn't say that we wouldn't trade up. We also know that that's the key for any franchise moving forward. 
So if there is a guy there that we like this year that we feel we need to go be aggressive, yeah, we'll be aggressive trying to do that. But you know we'll also be smart about it. There is also a limit to what you should do as far as being smart about it. People made a big deal about 2020, and that's also where the market has taken us as far as acquiring those picks. The comp picks as well. So we'll have a lot of flexibility to do stuff, whether it's this year, this year's draft or next year's draft. So they're kind of keeping the options open. Yeah, but they're, they're, not, they're not showing their hand at well, all. But also, like, exactly, this is smokescreen season. Yeah. And the reason I feel they're going to trade up is because there was a little bit of a smokescreen dropped in early February that I wonder if it catches fire in the last month before the draft. And that was Bob Quinn, the GM for the Lions, basically said this, talking about the number eight pick. We'll consider any position in the draft at this point in time, whether it's the eighth overall pick or we have multiple picks in the draft. We're in a position now with the eighth overall pick that the whole draft board is really wide open to us. We're not going to really eliminate any prospects, meaning could they take a quarterback at number eight, even though they have Matthew Stafford. And for me, I look at that and I go, Arizona will probably take Kyler Murray. Do I think they should? No, that's a different convo for a different day. I'm not drafting for them. They'll probably take Kyler Murray. San Francisco's got Jimmy G. The Jets have Sam Darnold. The Raiders, yeah, we've kind of thrown back and forth, whether it's me and you, whether it's me and Mark, about is John Gruden married to Derek Carr? Well, if Kyler Murray's not there, he's going to continue to date Derek Carr, and Derek Carr will be continue to be the Oakland Raiders quarterback. Tampa Bay, the whole reason they said they brought in Bruce Arians was that he wanted to work with Jameis Winston and wasn't for trading and getting rid of Jameis. So I don't see them taking a quarterback. Then there's the Giants. Apparently the Giants really like Dwayne Haskins, but anything can happen last month of the season. Jacksonville, not going to take a quarterback. They just gave big money to Nick Foles. Detroit's the wild card. Buffalo has Josh Allen. Denver is also a wild card. So looking at that, I think what could happen is Miami might sit there and go, there's only two things we can do. We can either trade up and get Drew Locke this year, or we can try to go for Tua next year. The third option, which is a far out for me, is if they want to say, hey, with our future picks, like later in the draft, they have the 48th pick in the second round, if they think a Will Greer will be there and want to take a Will Greer. But if you really like, like if they have two interviews with Drew Locke and really like Drew Locke, go get Drew Locke. And the team I think that they are going to trade with is the New York Jets. The Jets have basically said, we're open. You mm-hmm. want to trade for that third pick? Go ahead, come get this pick. And I think if if Drew Locke goes in the top 10, it will either be the first option, Miami trades up to three to get them. The reason why they trade up to three is because they won't know for sure 
who the Giants like, and they might be afraid the Giants might take them at six. And if they think the um, Lions and Broncos are going to take him at eight and ten, if they think all three of those teams could possibly take Drew Locke or one of them could, they will trade up to three. Now, the thing you got to look at, the asking price for the third overall pick, we just saw it last year when the Colts traded their pick. The Jets traded up from six to third, and the Jets gave up their sixth overall pick, so they swapped first, two second-round picks, which were the 37th and the 49th, and then they gave up a second-round pick as well. If you look at Miami... They have a lower first-round pick. They have the 13th overall pick, and they only have one second-round pick, which is 48. So for me, if they want to move up to three based off of what we saw last year, if I'm the Jets, I'd be like, I want your first, I want your second, I want your third, and I want your first next year. That is what they would have to give up to move from 13 to 3, and that will be the question they will have to ask. Is the price too high to move up for Drew Locke? And if it is too high, then okay, we will take our luck next year with Tua, and if we don't get Tua, we'll take our luck next year with, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Dexter, not Dexter Lawrence, um, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, From Clemson. However, the thing I will say, Miami fans might might say I'm wrong, but with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback, you might win too many games to get Tua next year. Uh, but then you have to look at who he'd be throwing to, and it, you, then you're no longer worried. I mean, in in Tampa, they had what Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans. They got playmakers Jackson. in Tampa. Yeah, they just had right. someone who couldn't and do OJ crap. Howard. You're right. Proven wrong. Lawyered. <laughs> I, I, I've been lawyered. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't put up Devontae Devontae Parker and uh, Mike Gusecki against... uh, When you're wrong, you just got to say you're wrong and move (laughs) on, Brandon. Go ahead. I guess if I'm I'm Miami, Mm -hmm. you're really gambling for next year. Because what you said... Kind of said it all. Mm-hmm. If they're gonna say, okay, we're not, we're gonna stay where we are. We're not gonna go for a quarterback this year. We're gonna bypass that, even if they have good options out there. Well, we'll just, we'll just go for two a next year. Mm-hmm. Well, then if they don't get two a next year, then we'll go for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Well, if you don't get two, you, you're, you're, Trevor Lawrence is great, but as we know, but if you're saying you're not gonna go for a quarterback this year because we're waiting for Tua, then what happens if you don't get Tua? What happens to your fan base? They hate you already. Mm. They're not going to be any happier if you don't go and get Tua. If you wait a whole year and you and you say you're going to go get Tua, then you win, like you said, too many games. Mm-hmm. You end up being six and ten. That puts you right back again at thirteen. Tua's not there at thirteen. Lawrence isn't there at thirteen. Then guess what? How much you're going to have to give up? If you thought you were going to have to give up a first, a third, a whatever for Drew Locke, you're going to be giving up. Your left leg, your right arm for Tua and Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It's how risky and how much of a gambler do you want to be? Because you're not losing if you get go get Drew Locke. You're not. I I think that you're losing if you pass up on an opportunity to get a good quarterback 
this season in the draft to possibly lose out on not getting one of the great ones next year. Mm-hmm. And like the thing I'm looking at too is Miami next year does not they're like they're not the Oakland Raiders. They don't have multiple first round picks next year. So the question you got to ask yourself is two things. First off, where do you see your record this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because to me when they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, the thing I saw from that signing was all right, they're not going to tank. They don't like mm-hmm. they're not going to lose. They're not going to be the Arizona Cardinals and only win what? Arizona won two games this year? Three games this year. I gave them I, I was a little low on the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> they're not going to win three games. I could see them being two win two wins less than they are now, one win less, so in that 6 to 5 range. That means you're between if we're going off of this year, you're between the 5th pick and the 11th pick. That's a wide range. That's a wide range to be in. Like Tampa Bay who had Ryan Fitzpatrick for some games and Jameis Winston for others, won 5 games. Mm-hmm. So I could give J- I could give Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami Six games, five to six games. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to do the same thing. Now, I know the division is tougher, but that's a different story for another day. I just don't see, unless they, like, unless here's another option, they play it by ear, where they let the Giants make their pick. When the Giants, let's say the Giants pick Dwayne Haskins. Pick up the phone, call the Jaguars. Hey, what do you want for the seventh pick? All right, it's too high. Click. Let the Jags make their pick. If the Lions don't go quarterback, hey, Buffalo, what do you want for your pick? Like, and that's what I, that might be the option of like, we might not see a trade for Drew Locke from the Dolphins until draft night. But that's also why I'm saying that Mm -hmm. there's, there's teams in front of them that aren't necessarily going to take a quarterback. And so is it a smoke sometimes screen? they can also stand pat mm-hmm. and still end up getting their guy if they want him. See, and here's but, another... but now if the Giants, sorry, yeah. I'll just let me say this really quick yeah. point and then we'll throw it to you. Is that if the Giants now take Drew Locke, mm-hmm. then I'm wondering, okay. If they take Drew Locke, is there going to be a, wrong is, with, what's wrong with Haskins? What's wrong with Haskins? And is is there going to be another team then that changes their strategy because they're like, whoa, there's Haskins, let's get him, Washington, and boom, and then everyone's gone. Well, and that's the question I want to throw your way. You say other team, not even if Locke is taken, just other team in general. The Washington Redskins are the other team I could see sitting there. And where are they? They are at? 15. So they're, they're 15. two picks lower than the Dolphins. But they've got Case Keenum. Case Keenum is not as good in my mind. Well, he was good in Minnesota. I'm not going to take he away. He was a saint in Minnesota. He was a saint in Minnesota. No pun intended. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> um, but, like, the thing that... I look at was maybe the Minnesota year was just lightning in a bottle. Could have just been him and like Pat Shermer knew he fit in that system. Maybe mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to look at that one. Cause he wasn't what he was um, in Minnesota with Denver. So I'm not high on him going into Washington. I'm higher on Fitzpatrick in Miami 
than I am Case Keenum in Washington. And if I look up really quickly the contract details, Case Keenum's done at the end of the year. Drew Locke, contract-wise, would be perfect for the Redskins because they could have him sit, wouldn't have to worry about Case Keenum at all. He just leaves at the end of the year, and then, boom, Drew Locke, it's your show here in Washington. That's another thing that Miami would have to fear is if they kind of sit on their hands a bit and wait for this all to unravel, could a team like Washington go, screw it, we're going to trade with the Jets. We're going to trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars because that price isn't too high for us because we know we need a quarterback and we have a few, we have a, some better weapons here in Washington than Miami has in Miami, although wide receiver could be a first-round need for the Redskins this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, as we approach the draft and get closer and closer, we're going to start to see teams, especially after they've, you know, now that they've done their, their their pro days, they've had their, you know, individual meetings with teams and, and their private meetings with teams and everything like that. Teams are getting a better sense of what exactly they want and what, what we're getting from Miami with what you read earlier. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute smokescreen. You know what? Everything you said, Ricky, mm-hmm. you know what it actually was saying? Nothing. It said <laughs> nothing. It gave nothing so away. So you don't think they're going to— It gonna, pointed to nothing. So you don't think they're going to draft a quarterback this year? Miami? Yeah. I'm not saying that they're not drafting a quarterback. They're I'm not sa- trading I, up for I'm, one. I'm, I'm not saying that either. Okay. I'm saying that Miami gave nothing away. Mm-hmm. Is that there? It's a it's a complete smokescreen. They they can say all they want about. Well, we're not saying that we're doing something. We're also not saying we're not doing anything. That's the typical. We have to say this type of deal because we're not going to say that we're going for one. They're giving away their strategy. Team strategies will start to come together in the next couple of weeks. As we get closer to the draft, which gosh, it is coming right up. Uh, but April twenty sixth, I I think that Miami would be silly if they did not go for a quarterback this year. I really do. I think that they would be silly if they didn't go for one. They need to. They need to start winning. And I know that they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick in that position right now, and they have him as a possible holdover while they wait to get a Tua or a Trevor Lawrence next year. But again, like you said, I want to go and hit that point home, is that Ryan Fitzpatrick might give you too many wins, and then you're going to be in a really tough spot and have to pay the world and top dollar for the number one or number two quarterback Mm -hmm. in the draft. Do you want to do that? Are you willing to give away... Potential future picks, which personally, as a GM, I would be. I hate picks. Mm-hmm. I want players. Um, but I, I, throw, I think that that's, that's going to be the, that's gonna be the thing. Sure. Let me throw this trade out at you. You are now the GM of the Jets. Okay. Would you take? Would you take this trade? Redskins call you up. Ring, 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 ring. Pick up your phone. Oh. We're, we're, we're role-playing here on the oh, podcast. Okay, okay. Ring, 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 ring. Hello? Hey, Brandon, how's it going? Ricky here. Um, I got you a need trade. something, don't you? You I, need something, I, don't I need you? something. I need something from you. So 
I got a trade for you. Why'd you hang up? Tell me what you think. Why'd I got, you hang I got, up my, on I got me? my phone right here. Um, only because I didn't want it, like, no, yeah, my no, luck. I'm yeah. talking in it and it's messing up the recording. But so I got a trade for you here, Brandon. I want your number three pick. I need it badly. I know you do. I, I saw what you guys did last year. And here is the trade I've got for you. I'm going to give you our first. So we'll swap. You'll come down to what, 15. We'll go up to three. I'm going to give you our second round pick, which is the 46th overall pick. And then I'm going to give you a second round pick, our third round pick, which is the 97th. So I'm giving you a 15th, the 46th, and the 97th. And I'll give you Josh Norman as well. To let me move right up to three. Can you give me that one more time? I mean, I gotta give it. I gotta give it to my guys so, here in the back room so they can uh, tell me yay or nay. You get our first, which is the fifteenth. You get our second, which is the forty-sixth, and you get our second. We have two third rounders: a seventy-seven and a ninety-seven. You get our ninety-seven because I'm throwing in Josh Norman as well, just to get your third overall pick. You got a deal. Is that too much to ask? Like, is that too much to offer for the Redskins? Because I was I was looking at it. Josh Norman, are the Redskins necessarily going to be a winner in his last two years? He is now turning 31. He might be someone that the Jets could use a little bit more than the Redskins, and the Redskins could move up without giving up future first. That that's a deal. Per, that's a deal for me personally. I would I would take that deal almost right away. Is one team getting screwed over, though? I think that you would be giving up a lot okay. for the Red, for the, on the Redskins Flip side. It. I think that you would be giving up a lot. Flip it. You're Dan Snyder without the racism. <laughs> Thank how you. Would, how would you change the deal if you, were, if you were Dan Snyder then calling me? How would you change that? What would be fair to you if you were offering what I put out to the Jets, what would be fair to you? First, uh, the our fifteenth uh, overall yeah, the pick, fifteenth overall pick, first round pick, mm-hmm. our first third, the seventy seventh, and then maybe a, a throw in a player. So, fifteenth, seventy seventh, Josh Norman. That's what I would do. Like, and that is something that I just kind of off the top of my head. So was then like, you oh. still, so you still have your second. Mm-hmm. You still have a third. Mm-hmm. And you're alive. You've given, I think, good value uh, over to the Jets. Yep. But you're not killing yourself. Yeah. And the and, old, and again, the only Norman, thing... can you win? Can you win without him? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you like you said? Are you going to be a contender in a playoff team while he's there? And could mm-hmm. you get rid of him? And, and 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 I'm not sure of his contract, but I'm sure it's two years uh, dollars. It is so he's got eleven mil. So his base for this year is an eleven million dollar with a three million signing bonus. Next year it goes twelve million and three million. Uh, what I, I mean, I'm not sure what the hit would be. On, Fourteen point five and fifteen point five. I'd give away the contract. I'd get rid That's of it. I'd take it off the books if I could. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you get them for this year, next year, and if you're the and if you're the Jets. You can then, and here's what I'm thinking if I'm the Jets then, of like, okay, third overall. Now, the decision you would have to make is they've said they were open to it, but would you want to pass on a pass rusher? Like for me, top of my board in my last mock draft 
was Quinn and Williams or Josh Allen. Do you want to give up on one of those two guys at three in order to get Josh Norman a third round pick later in this draft and move down to 15? However, if you move down to 15, there might be a guy like Marquise Brown still available. You might be able to get an Ed Oliver if you're looking for that defensive tackle Depending on where you're going, you're, you're talking about if you're the Jets. Now. Yeah, like you can move to 15 so, and still get some value from where you're at because of how deep this draft is defensively, and because there could be wide receivers there for you so to give Darnold someone to throw. That's to. exactly where I'd be going. Um, because yes, you could. You're probably not going to get Quinn and Williams mm-hmm. if you're at three, because I think he's number one. And if he's not number one, he should certainly be number well, two. In your mind, Kyler Murray's getting drafted number one by the Cardinals. Exactly. So that means but, the 49ers, Do they go Nick Bosa or Quinn and Williams? And if you're smart, you go Quinn and Williams. <laughs> but um, I, I think then yes, maybe there's a possibility for him at number three. Mm-hmm. But I would I would definitely be fine going to 15, getting that if that's the phone call. And that's the, what's offered. Mm-hmm. Getting that, and then getting a wide receiver. You need playmaker. You now have Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. You need more playmakers. You need mm-hmm. so you've got Robbie Anderson, who can be real, real good, great threat. But then after that, you've got just kind of mediocre guys. You need uh-huh. another another guy in there who's going to make some noise on your team and definitely help out Darnold. Because you're trying to put this team together and give the Jets an offense. You've done it with Bell. You have a good quarterback in Darnold. You've got mm-hmm. your quarterback of the future. Now he's got to play with some pieces and, and give him something. And the thing that I will throw out there, this will be one of the last things before we give just kind of our final statements. Why Miami, if they want a quarterback, if if they want a quarterback, and I know this has kind of turned into a lot of trade talk because that to I me, enjoy it. Well, to me, if Drew Locke is going to be in the top 10, someone's going to trade for him. He's yeah. Either someone's going to trade for him or the Lions, for some reason, do take a quarterback and go Drew Locke after the first two are off the board. Here's why if I'm the Dolphins, the only way you're getting Drew Locke is if you trade up. I'm going to read off the teams after the top two that need cornerback as one of their top five needs. You ready for this? Cornerback. Cornerback okay. defensively. Like Josh Norman, and that's why the Redskins could offer this deal. The Jets at three, third overall need. The Raiders at four, fourth overall need. The Bucks at five, second overall need. I'm going to skip the Giants because even though cornerback is their third overall need, they take quarterback. Yeah. The Lions at eight. First overall mm-hmm. need. The Bills at nine. Fourth overall need. There are what? The Bills, the Lions, the Bucks, the Raiders. What? Five of those teams that I listed between five and ten all need a cornerback in some way or another. And the Redskins could offer that to them in Josh Norman. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. Um, I think that it, it really makes for an interesting scenario, and that's why this is always fun, and it's really fun to be able to talk about it. It's it's just what is your is it scenario or scenario? Because I've heard it two different ways. Tomato, tomato on that okay. one. Um, I just I I you said it, and I was like, huh. I wonder which is the actual way to say it. I've always said scenario. How did I say scenario? Okay. 
I've just I've heard people say scenario, and I don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> there isn't. <a> <laughs> um, but that's why this is uh, fun and enjoyable to talk mm-hmm. about. But it really comes down to as a GM and as all the other minds, masterminds in that uh, in that room. Mm-hmm. It's what do what do you value the most? What do you need the most right now? Or what do you believe you need the most right now? What are you willing to part with? What are you willing to wait on? What mm-hmm. can you absolutely not wait on? And you have, that's where they I mean, they've got all their boards. They've done all their homework. The I war mean, room. Without a doubt, they know everything they believe they need to know mm-hmm. about every player that they believe they'd like to have on their team, and then some. From there, it's just what is number one priority, and then two, three, four, Mm -hmm. five, so on. That's going to be the number one thing. This isn't the last time we're going to talk NFL draft, obviously, on the podcast, because it's basically like a snowball running down a hill, getting bigger and bigger until the end of April. Final thought, what happens to you? Number one is Drew Locke, a top 10 pick. And if not, where do you think he lands outside the top 10? I don't know. I know that he is, at the beginning of this podcast, I said, no, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Talking you into it. You're talking me into it. I think that he's gonna. I think he. I think he may end up being a top ten pick. I'm mm-hmm. just not sure where he will end up. Um, but there I, could be I, a sneaky I think team that, that moves I think up. That, I think that there's. We've talked enough, and you've said enough on your side. I think mm-hmm. that I think that he could very well be a top ten pick by a team that probably trades up to get him. I mean, some teams we haven't mentioned yet. Broncos could trade up. I know they got Joe Flacco, but could trade up if they really like him. The Bengals. I know that many people have said, is it time to move on from Andy Dalton? If they really fall in love with them, they could maybe trade up for him. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. Panthers, do they kind of start feeling like, eh, you know what, Cam is not going to be the future. We're going to let this contract ride out and then let it be that. My main two are, the if he gets in the top ten, he's a Dolphin, he's a Redskin. He's one of the two, either outside the top ten, inside the top ten. Ike is a top 10 pick because I feel like one of those two teams, it's going to be kind of a bidding war between them and who do they try to go with because the Raiders, I will throw them out, they're a team that they could trade because they've proven, hey, just give me all the draft picks in the world. (laughs) Mike Mayock and John Gruden will try to hit on them as they go ahead and draft Colton Miller in the first round. Let's hope that was a John Gruden mistake and Mike Mayock doesn't make that same mistake for the Raiders like they did last year, but... This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think. Is Drew Locke a top 10 pick in this draft? What do you like about him? What do you don't like about him? If he is a top 10, where does he go? If he's not a top 10, where does he go? Let us know down below. As well as if you're listening to the entire full podcast, let us know what you thought about the March Madness discussion we had, previewing also the Sweet 16 in this upcoming weekend, the NBA draft coverage that we had earlier in the podcast Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Ricky Widmer at Young underscore Swan 19 at Most Valuable Pod. You can also hit us up on Patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. New rewards or new goals, I should say, revamped goals, giving you guys more bang for your buck coming 
April 1st. You can join us at the $10 tier, though. Every t- every time you support us at that tier every month, you can join an MVP podcast of your choice talking about what you would like to talk about. And also make sure to hit us up on Apple Apple Podcasts. I keep wanting to say Apple iTunes, and that's not it. It's Apple Podcasts <laughs> or iTunes. Please give us that five-star rating. It really does mean the world to us. I want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. I want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.